So there are nearly 2.4 billion Christians in this world. And as Anglicans, we are the largest Protestant part of that number. So you might well say this morning, well, that's great. We're the biggest group, so we're the winners. But it does still mean, if you think about it, the vast majority of Christians in this world disagree with us enough to call themselves something else. And then even among Anglicans, there are all sorts of different ideas. We are a global denomination, and so we don't all think the same. We have our own cultural insights and our own cultural blind spots that may cause us to disagree. Within our province, that is the Anglican Church in North America, there are many disagreements which, for some reason, we like to have on the internet. And then uh, within our city, uh, they're laughing because if you Google it, you'll find a nasty one. With, uh, within our city, Anglican churches just a few miles apart often don't look anything like one another at all. And then here in Christchurch, zoom right in, we are not all on the same page. We don't all think exactly the same thing on everything, and we never will, because we're not a cult. Sometimes I even disagree with myself. So with all of these differences, that is true, uh, how, with all of these differences, can we possibly call ourselves members of the same thing? That's a tricky one. Well, uh, as they looked at membership, the leaders of this church, the vestry, they wrestled with this question first, that if you had to boil it all down, you had to boil down all of our beliefs and everything we stand for, down to the most foundational matter of all, without which you cannot be a member here, what would it be? And the answer is Christ. Now, as a bonus, I would love it if we also agreed on the church budget and the ornaments rubrics and the optimal temperature for the coffee pots. But these things are utterly immaterial. These are footling trifles next to the biggest matter of all, which is Jesus. And in particular, the question that Jesus himself asks in our gospel reading today, who do you say I am? Paul answers this question in Romans 10.9. So what I'd like to do is look at Romans 10, just shed some light on that using 2 Timothy, and then return again to Romans. So uh, let's turn to Romans first, chapter 10, verse 9. Paul's answer, who do you say I am? Verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is a very simple creed. It's a statement of faith. So what do our members at this church need to believe about Christ? The shorthand, Paul says, is that we need to believe that God raised him from the dead. Now, that is not all we need to believe. It's just a summary. Like a few weeks ago when we did the gospel in 10 words, the birth, death, resurrection, and return of Jesus for you, that's not all we can say about the gospel. But it is a shorthand summary that, that gets the conversation going. And you cannot say what Paul says about Jesus, that we believe that God raised him from the dead without all sorts of other things coming up as well. For example, why was he dead? Or for that matter, why was he born? 
And the answer is because God himself stepped into creation to redeem it with the price of his own life and his own blood. Now, you might be saying to me, well, why did he do that? What was so wrong with the world? And the answer is, of course, that we had wrecked it. There is this problem of sin that has destined us for judgment and then for death. Sin explains a lot of things. Sin explains why our bodies go wrong. Sin explains why my daughter can come up to me on Father's Day and say, Dad, there's something on your ear. Pull it. And it's attached because it's more hair and it hurts. (laughs) Sin explains... (laughs) Only guys in the room are laughing at this. Just clumps of hair belching out from all over my body and where it should be just disappearing. I like to think that my hair is not falling off my head, it's falling through it. Um, So I've got the same amount as I started with. Sin explains this, honestly. Uh, Sin explains everything. Sin explains why natural disasters occur. It explains why we feel far from God. It explains why we feel far from one another and we fall out. Sin explains why good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. Because it's not fair. It's not nice. It's not predictable, it's not proportionate, it's not karma. The ultimate example of karma uh, being untrue is the fact that the only perfect person ever to walk this earth was killed in the most brutal way imaginable. Sin is vile, and it explains everything. But love explains why God did something about it. And the ultimate act of love, the ultimate act of grace, is Christ stepping into this world for the purpose of dying for this world, to redeem it and be judged in our place. And then he rose from the dead, the first fruits from the dead, guaranteeing us a resurrection as well, ultimately until he redeems all things when he comes again in glory. So the resurrection of the dead is shorthand for the Nicene Creed, all the fundamentals of the things that we believe. And Paul says to us that our salvation depends or requires that we confess, or as the vestry would put it, we commit to this idea. Now, how do we know it to be true? I'm inviting you to commit to the principle that Jesus is real and that he died for you and rose from the dead, but how do we know? So let's not lose Romans, but let's turn briefly to 2 Timothy, and we're in chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, for those watching in England, where we see that there really are just two options when it comes to finding out about God and finding out what is true. And the first option, it comes in verse 13, where it says that the first thing you could do is just to come up with ideas of your own. One way of finding out about God is just to intuit the kind of things about God that we think ought to be true based upon stuff we like. Paul calls these teachers, verse 13, imposters, who go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, imposter is a word that comes from a sound. It can mean a howler, they wail. And it can uh, be a word that comes from an action. It means a juggler, they throw things around. And uh, some of the really old translations of the Bible actually translate this word wizards, which I just think is really fun. And what it means is is people who share their own bright ideas in a flamboyant way that sort of leads people astray. 
And Paul says what makes these imposters so difficult to detect is that they might well not know who they are. There is a wonderful sci-fi show called Battlestar Galactica. Yes. There was one in the 80s. And this was objectively brilliant because it had face in the A-team in it. And it's one of the reasons I moved to America. <laughs> All those TV shows. And uh, based upon my childhood television experience, A-team, Knight Rider, Airwolf, Street Hawk, Battlestar Galactica, and the Cannonball Run, um, I thought that just you had all this amazing technology all over America. <laughs> so I want you to imagine just how disappointed I was, and crushed indeed, uh, when I got my first Buick LeSabre. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, it's got a bench seat, I thought this would be good, I can sort of slide over and... Uh, you know, maybe cuddle my wife on the seats, but they were velour, so I got stuck. I couldn't move over. Uh, it, they did a reboot of BSG, Battlestar Galactica, a few years ago. The great thing about the reboot, apart from the Jimi Hendrix soundtrack, is that in the reboot, the bad guys, the Cylons, the robots, they don't even know who they are. That's why this show is so cool. The robots in the reboot are covered in skin, and they have personalities, they have emotions, they get injured, uh, they make decisions, and uh, often they are horrified to discover who they really are. In the same way, imposters can be incredibly loving and kind and generous, well-meaning people. They will, they will care for your kids. They'll teach your kids. They'll do their best. But ultimately, they deceive because they themselves have been deceived. They do not know what God wants for them, so they cannot tell you what God wants for you. But as for you, verse 14, Paul continues, moving on from Battlestar Galactica and a remarkable prophecy. He says, verse 14, For as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. God has written down what he wants you to know. This is the other way that you can find out about him. Option one, make it up yourself. Option two, listen to him. Verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. And some translations you may have memorized say divinely inspired. It sort of captures the idea but it literally means God-spirited. It's a, a sort of compound word. God-spirited. Uh, breathed and spirited onto the page. It's written down by the pens of people. And so it's suffused with their idiosyncrasies and their personalities and their preferences and their perspectives and, and their weird definitions of words and their personal remarks. Paul says, it's cold. Can I have my jacket? <laughs> you know, at one of the ends of one of his letters. But ultimately, this is the exact word that God wanted us to have in our hands. It is without falsehood, and it is without mistake, and it is all his word. This is the word of the Lord, and it's all, Paul continues, profitable for teaching. That is instructing us, sharing ideas that we do not know. For reproof, that means giving evidence or proving a thing so that we can know what God wants us to know, especially so that we can know about Jesus, who is revealed in Scripture, 
And this is the question that I will ask you when you join this church. Can you commit to that? Can you commit to this basic idea of who Jesus is and how we know who Jesus is? It's amazing, isn't it, just how simple this is. I mean, the vestry, as they define membership and this first sort of notion of commit, could not have set the bar any lower. It's like my homework to them was find the weakest thing you can possibly say, and they found it, didn't they? Jesus and the Bible. Now, there is scope. They've left it there for us to disagree around the edges about all sorts of things. And yet, isn't it strange that it is over these two most basic and foundational things, Jesus and the Bible, Christ and his uniqueness, Scripture and its authority, that often we find ourselves fighting the most. We've made it as easy as possible to join our church, and these are the things where Christians like to fight. A few years ago, a prominent bishop was interviewed in Time magazine, and she was given such a softball pitch that by comparison, I think the stick would have been thrown out of T-ball for being too difficult. And the interviewer said, Bishop, is Jesus the only way to heaven? The bishop said, no. And then I'll quote. We who practice the Christian tradition understand him as our vehicle to the divine. But for us to assume that God could not act in other ways is to put God in an awfully small box. I want to break it down. So Christianity, according to this bishop, is not the only true and revealed faith. Rather, it is just a human tradition amongst many human traditions, each of which are equally valid. Jesus is how Christians can get saved, but other people can get saved in other ways. Even if those destinies and those ways completely contradict one another. Jesus is not God, merely a vehicle to it. And I say it because God is not God. God is not a person that you can know and that you can love. God is just the divine. God is some weird power out there in space throbbing somewhere, one, 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 but nothing more than that. And Christ, if you're really lucky, might well drive you into the heart of that thing, like uh, little more than a, a celestial uber. The only difference between this bishop's theology and Elon Musk, who blasted a Tesla into space, is that Musk's music is better than hers. At least he's got David Bowie. Notice also that she disputes the word of God. Like, I mean, once you're in, you might as well go all the way. So uh, notice she disputes the word of God. Because she, she views allowing God to speak to us in his own way as an example of our putting him in a box. Who are we to tell God what he should say? Well, he says it. The bar for membership at Christ Church Fox Chapel is incredibly low, but she would not be able to commit to these two simple things, and so she could not be a member of our church. Most welcome to visit, but she could not join. However... Before we conclude, and we start patting ourselves on the back, and we start saying, this is great, we've drawn our little boundaries, 
We found the bad guys, it's those people out there, and we found the good guys, guess what, it's us in here. There's one more thing, and let's turn back. Uh, no, actually, let's just remain in 2 Timothy for a moment longer, shall we? Yeah. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof. That's about what we believe. But also for correction and for training in righteousness. And that is about what we do. Now if we return to that reading from Romans 10.9 and look closely at it, we see that Paul is preaching the same idea. Jesus is Lord. Lord carries with it the notion that Jesus might tell you what to do. And our pews are filled with people who believe the right things, who agree also on how to find out the right things, but who still live their lives as little lords. Many of us are orthodox on Christ and on Scripture in concept, but wayward in deed. And when Jesus says, follow me, we drag our feet. And having dragged our feet for long enough, next we wander off. For many of us, Jesus becomes a sort of underlord, a sort of second in command. Not a king, more like a sort of regional you know, chair of a planning committee or something. Lord of the leftovers. Where we say, Jesus, I love you and, I'm, and you're my Lord and I'm going to follow you on all of these things. But not this little thing, Lord. This one's mine. And we ring fence some little area of our hearts for ourselves and we make ourselves Lord of, of that area. And the old adage goes, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then Jesus is not Lord at all. Now, unfortunately, ultimately, that actually describes all of us. We've all done this. We're probably doing it now. Why else would God write to us to train us in righteousness if we were inherently righteous? Indeed, Romans 10.10 continues, why else would he bother to die to save us if we were okay? So here is actually why the lordship of Christ is so utterly foundational and significant to us. And that is because we are not ever justified by our works, we're justified by him. We're made righteous by him. That means placed in a good legal standing before him by him. Scripture can help you to live more like Jesus. But it will also reveal to you that you never have. It will convict you of your sins. And so the chief message of the word is not fix yourself or here's all the bad stuff you've done, good luck. The chief message of the word is that only Jesus can save you. And that is what happens, Paul says, when you commit to him. He saves you. Paul concludes, everyone who commits, that's uh, my translation, will not be put to shame. It's such a beautiful promise, isn't it? The only promise we have worth keeping. And it is, I think, especially attractive to those of us who have failed. Because what we see in this promise is that it is Jesus alone who provides a restart. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much that you are a very gracious Lord. And in your perfection, you come looking for us to transform us into your likeness. So Father, help us please as we commit to hold fast to you as Lord and to hold fast to your teachings as true. We ask, Lord God, as we come to recommit to this church as members of this body, that you would give us grace to follow you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.